Are you immersed in a sea of business advice and education, but not sure what to embark on first? Instead of adding to the ocean of information, we're here to help you navigate it like a pro. The Wayfinding Growth Podcast will help you take a deep dive into new actionable strategies, tools, and tactics to help you grow. So start charting a course for business growth as you explore a better way to grow further, faster, with your hosts, Remington Begg and George B. Thomas. So, Wayfinders, you know that usually I speak a little bit in the very beginning here, but Remington, what are you doing and what are you thinking about right now in this very moment? Yeah, so I'm thinking about the rest of this quarter and really making it a, a amazing. And then I'm also thinking about Brian Fonzo. I'm super excited to have him on the show today. Ah, uh, see, you kind of let the cat out of the bag. That's right, folks. I'm today sorry. we are talking about. No, you shouldn't apologize. Don't apologize for being you. You should always, <laughs> always be you, my man. So this week we are actually talking to the man, the myth, the legend, the one, the only. Brian Fanzo from iSocialFans, and we are talking about upcycling your content process. Brian, I'll ask you what the hell that is in a hot minute, but to get started, why don't we just let the audience kind of, if they live under a rock and don't know who the heck you are, why don't we actually give a little bit of backstory of who you are, what you do, uh, things like that. Sounds good. I mean, you guys are going to be pumped up. I'm ready to go. I'm always the loud, passionate, fiery one on my show. So the fact that I got both of you guys, this is uh, exciting to be here. But um, Brian Fanzo, uh, founder of iSocialFans, I'm a full-time keynote speaker and podcaster at the moment. Um, But uh, I talk on mostly, you know, what I like to say is I, I translate the geek speak around emerging technology and digital marketing, really trying to um, take these new merging trends and simplify it for, for communities and audiences, um, but not the typical path. Um, I actually went to school for computer science, uh, played hockey in college, um, graduated, and then decided to work uh, in cybersecurity for the Department of Defense out of the Pentagon for nine years. So I think I'm one of the only uh, people that are in digital marketing today that have nine years in cybersecurity. Hmm. Um, but what but I, what I found out, what I kind of fell in love with was I, I went to school thinking I loved computers. I graduated thinking it was all about technology. And then I realized what I love more than anything else is collaboration and community. And I also realized when it comes to collaboration and community, marketers are who have the budget. So um, to say it any other way is, is I was like, wow, what is this whole marketing thing about? And I, and I think my education in high school and college wasn't great. I always looked at marketing as just kind of like – sales enablement only. I never understood like the true power of everything that is encompassed uh, inside of marketing. So I did that for about nine years. And then I ha- I just decided to jump ship. I went to a data center company because, you know, cybersecurity isn't boring enough. I went to a data center company, which is about as boring technology as you can get. Um, but I worked there for about two years as the technology evangelist. And uh, my job was be the face of the company, work with our clients and our customers, and really help solve their problems without having sales KPIs, without having a marketing goal or agenda. And it's where I fell in love with community and collaboration. And just this is where I kind of focus now on change and collaboration much more so than technology. And so for about the last four and a half years or so, um, I've been doing the, the marketing side, speaking full time. Uh, I'll do about about 50 events this year uh, with the goal of 60 events next year. Uh, and then I host two podcasts. So it's, uh, it's a heck of a lot of fun. I get to travel the world. I get to see you guys uh, not too long ago in Boston at uh, Inbound. So that was yeah. fun. But um, yeah, it's, it's a heck of a journey. And I, I love what I'm doing now. I, I think I finally found 
uh, my dream job, and I probably I plan on doing this for the rest of my life. Awesome, awesome. So, so that's fantastic, by the way. And you did really great at Inbound. That was great too. But um, so when we're talking about today, so you're making a living doing the keynote speaking. But do you mind sharing a little bit more for our listeners about like how how you make money today? Sure. So for me, it's you know I'd say. Um, if you asked me three years ago, it was 20% speaking, uh, 80% content and consulting. Uh, today, it's the flip, right? So in three years, right. I flipped the model, uh, and I'm 80% uh, keynote speaking or workshops and 20% uh, content consulting podcast sponsorship side of the house. Um, it's a heck of a weird journey. I can tell you there's no blueprint, um, as both of you guys know as well. I, I think George and I have talked about this uh, back channel many, many times. Um, there's about 100 ways you can go about getting your name out there to be a uh, a keynote speaker. Um, I, I've taken one of probably the most randomly unique ways, which is interestingly enough where the upcycling of content comes into uh, play. But I'm a one-man team. I am solo as solo gets, um, but I pump out a crap load of content, which is my sales, my business development, and my inbound. And I rely a lot on relationships that I've built over the last uh, six to 10 years that give me the gigs that I have now. Yeah, and I love that I get to ask this question because as a fellow speaker, as somebody else who has been on the hustle and the grind and like working for agencies but still having this kind of dream of getting out there, and I love the fact that you're doing 50 plus a goal to do 60 gigs a year. That's awesome. Talk talk us through, and, and dang it, because – I know we're supposed to be talking about upcycling content and we're going to get there. And I'm sure because you're amazing, you're going to be able to tie this in. But I also want to know some of the milestones or some of the like waypoints that you've hit in your like historical journey that have either a been like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing and positioned you into this direction or even maybe like, oh, this is amazing. This is why I should do content this way. Like. However you want to take this, I'm super interested to hear the, the, the answer to the question, but waypoints or milestones that have made a difference in your life, Brian? So um, I think, you know, one of the things for me, and I remember the date um, because my, I'm a mama's boy and my mom messaged me uh, on November 2nd, uh, November 2nd, 2013. And my mom messaged me and she was just asking me like how my life was going as an entrepreneur. I just kind of started this entrepreneur job. And I had mentioned kind of being burnt out about social media, and she was surprised by me being burnt out at social media because, let's face it, I wasn't in that game very long. Um, and she just simply reminded me. I don't think she did it like like mentoring me or giving me advice, but it it hit home. And she was like, "Well, Brian." You know, you were the only kid in high school that worked at a skating rink, worked at a frozen yogurt shop, was on the baseball team, the hockey team, and was also not afraid to be in the in the computer club. And she was like, when you went to college, you were the only guy that was a fraternity, that was also a computer science major, that was also played college hockey. And she was like, the thing that you were always great at was being yourself unconditionally and connecting people that in groups or in people that you wouldn't likely connect, right? Like, I mean, I had I had my computer science bunch of my guys my computer science major hanging out at my fraternity house and then going to watch a hockey game and those things weren't the same and so my mom said that to me november 2nd 2013 and i went in i remember the day verbatim i walked into my the mirror in my bathroom with a sharpie which i don't recommend using a sharpie to this to do this um but i wrote on my mirror in giant letters be yourself and i can tell you that day is when i started you know i had probably had 
less than 5,000 followers total on social media at the time. Um, social media was, was annoying to me, uh, because I felt like I had to, I had to be something that I was not. I had to put something out there that the audience wanted. I had to be like everyone else. You know, I had to be the next Gary Vaynerchuk or this is what Seth Godin, this is how Seth Godin does his blogs. So Brian Fanzo should do his blogs. And I freaking hated it. And on that day, I decided, you know what? I'm going to own the fact that I talk fast. I'm going to own the fact that I have tattoos. I'm going to own the fact that I wear a hat. I'm a proud dad. I'm not afraid to put that out there. I was diagnosed ADHD at 31 years old. That's part of who I am. When you realize that, you also realize what that, how that impacts uh, my personality. And so that was probably the, one of the biggest milestones for me. Um, I'm also one that um, ha- is really big at self-awareness. Um, and it's something that I didn't realize how good I was at that until I looked at my career. But if you looked at my career, you know, I was, I, I was killing it at the U.S. government. I got promoted to SVP, the very first person to be promoted to SVP under the age of 30 years old uh, at my company, and it scared the crap out of me. And it didn't scare me because I wasn't ready for the role, but it scared me because I knew that if something, if I've made something so easy for me, I become complacent. When I come complacent, I start to mail it in. When I start to mail it in, I don't do my best work. I and I and I knew. I I worked there for nine years and I had this amazing opportunity. And let's face it, cybersecurity is a booming business. And this this is six years ago, seven years ago. It was even more taking off at the time. I was at the top of the game, but I realized that it wasn't best for me. It was, I was going to be mailing this in. I was going to be, I I was probably going to lose my, my personality. I was going to make a crap load of money. And just for warning, I made more money seven years ago doing that job than I do today without even, not even close. But, um, that what I've always learned is being self-aware, doing what makes sense to me. And then the other piece of this is I'm not afraid to zig when everyone's zagging, right? And I love being the first on new platforms, live video. Um, but what I like to do is I like to study why everyone is on a platform. And then I like to do something in the space where not many people are competing. So like, for example, like I love live video, live video, you know, I, I would say I was one of the catalysts for helping grow the power of live video. But for me, live video, it wasn't who I was. I'm not a live video guy. I'm a guy that loves to tell stories, help people embrace change. Live video was the medium that allowed me to do it in my best personality, right? I'm real. I'm raw. I'm a one take kind of guy. And live video is is built for me where YouTube scared the crap out of me because you have to SEO stuff and tag stuff and, and you have to be like consistent as crap. And like, and like oh my God, like YouTube, it's still YouTube. I mean, I was hanging out with Amy uh, Landino this past weekend and I, I literally sat there for two hours watching her do her thing. And I'm like, yep, YouTube still scares me. And she's like, Brian, you're, you're like the social video guy. Like what is, and I'm like, yeah, I, I found a medium for me. And so I think that, you know, if I had to look at the other piece that kind of ties this all together, uh, I'm not a great writer. I don't really like writing, like typing things out. Um, my mom likes to say I came out of the womb talking. And, um, and, and she's like, you've never shut up since. Like you've literally. And so what I figured out was why not embrace my most my strongest quality of talking and putting myself out there in a raw way and then form the content from from that one piece into other areas so the whole concept of upcycling which i know is the title of this uh episode which is where i'll segue this because you know podcaster to podcaster i can i can take us there um is that you know for me create whoever said content excuse me content is king really bothered me because I think it turned into this world where people just started creating content for content's sake. Why are you blogging five days a week? Because some speaker told you to blog five days a week. And I kept asking the question, like, if I don't have something to say, I'm not going to alienate my people. I'm not going to put out something that is half the value if I don't have something to say, right? I don't want to force myself, but I also don't want to force myself 
in a medium that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Like if I was doing daily blogging, it would just not make sense. It's not my strongest quality. The, the way that I write is very unique because I kind of, I write like I talk. So it's a, it's a different, you know, kind of structure on how I blog. And so what I figured out was why don't I focus on creating great content? Like as, and, and remember, this is something I like to caveat. Great is determined by the audience, not you, the creator, right? Like Amen. it's something we make it, it we is. make it a mistake, right? Yes, that's that, that. Everyone that says, "Can we create a viral video?" I'm like, "Screw you! You create a great, you create a video that you believe is good, and then your audience determines if it's viral, right? If it's shareable." And and for so many people, they're like, "We need to create something great." I'm like, "Well, who determines if it's great? I mean, we can all say what we do is great, but if nobody's listening to it, it's not very much great, or it's only great between our ears." And so what I what I love to do is I throw a lot of stuff out there and then my secret is I lean into what works. If something works, I just ride the heck out of it, right? And so podcasting became that thing. I did podcasting for about five years. And what I found out was the things that people loved on my podcast, they also loved on my live video and they also loved on my stage is they loved when I ranted. They loved when I took a topic and I just shared un, you know, unfiltered my thoughts on a topic. And I started looking at it about two years ago. I was like, you know what? I don't have a piece of content that allows me to do that when I want, where I want, how I want. And so I decided to launch a podcast called FOMO Fans um, that does just that. But then when I launched the podcast, and this is something I think we also make a mistake today when it comes to content. I mean, we, we've always known this one thing. Everyone learns differently, right? We all consume differently. Some of us learn on podcasting. Some of us learn by reading. Some of us are visual learners. I mean, I love video. I create a ton of video. I don't like watching video to learn. I'm a podcast. I listen to, I mean, probably 12 podcasts a week um, because that's where I learn. Like, that's how I consume the best. Um, but I I think because we, if, you, if we remember that everybody consumes differently, our job as content creators, in my opinion now, is to create great content where we are most comfortable and then bring that content to where the audience is, not make them come to us. The old school ways of, hey, I have a website, I have a blog, come to my website and see it. Well, no one wants to be told where to go. And so this whole concept of upcycling was, you know what, I'm going to record a podcast, I'm going to do it on a live video, and then I'm going to take different chunks of that. And I'm going to cut it up into different ways. Now, this isn't – the reason I use the word upcycling versus recycling. Recycling, I think you take something that is old and try to make it new. I'm not a fan of that. I like to take something that is new, raw, and real and customize it for each one of the platforms. So like I can take one podcast recording, which I do um, usually on Monday afternoons, and I turn that into eight separate pieces of content that I can push out over the week. And that's the term that I could call upcycling. So if you follow me on Instagram, you probably know of my podcast from the one minute clips that I show on Instagram, right? If you follow me on LinkedIn, you know that I do kind of like a six to seven minute clip of my podcast on LinkedIn as a LinkedIn video. If you subscribe to my blog, you know that I transcribe every one of my podcasts into a blog form and it's on my thing. So what I like to do is I focus on one great piece of content and then I allow the audience to decide how they want to consume it. All right, so hold up, hold up, hold up, Remington. I know that we're supposed to go. <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know. I know that we're supposed to continue to go into the show, I but I got, I got, I got, I got to pause this for one hot second, people, because you need to just stop right now. Hit that back thirty seconds if you're listening on a podcast, or just slide that slider back if you're watching this on video, because. Like, look, that's why we created the show how we created it. You can 
watch it or listen to it. Like we, we do that for you. But the last like couple minutes here, uh, bullet points, authenticity, right? Being yourself, super huge piece. Also the fact of finding the unicorn, hopping on and saying giddy up and like moving yes. forward with that is super, super important. And, and this is not only just in the content that you create, but like when you think about like ads and like spending money on ads, that whole mentality really fits as well. And then I have to, I know I'm going to talk deeper about this on the recap because we recap every one of these episodes, Brian, but you are one of the first people that I met that had the same mentality of like, I was a, a football player and on the chess club, right? And so yep. the fact of like being able to be, and Michael Port talks about this. God, I'm so freaking excited right now. Like Michael Port <laughs> talks about this, about how you can be the chameleon in life and you're being your authentic self, but you're being your authentic self in that moment, in that point of when you need to be and and understanding that mentality and taking it to this this idea of content and upcycling content and using it in a way that is authentic to the platform and authentic to what you feel you would share out of that content you created on that platform is absolutely amazing i digress let's hit rewind watch it listen to it remington let's push them back into the rest of the show (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so so when we talk about – you already started going into a deep dive. You're like halfway midair, like about the swan dive. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty dive good at that. But, yeah, yeah. But um, so when we're talking about upcycling content and you had a really good rant, which will probably break up in a couple different ways. But give me a, like a definition of upcycling content that's just like super concise, like a couple breaths if you can. And then we'll jump into some of these other pieces. So upcycling content, in my opinion, is focusing on something, creating something great in the in the way that you prefer as the creator to create it, and then taking it and customizing it and personalizing it for each platform to allow each one of your audience to decide how they want to consume it. Boom. <laughs> well done. That's All hard. Right. That was hard. That was the hardest part of the, the show so far. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that was really great though. So I can't wait to kind of break that down um, next episode. Where are we in the outline? Like, are we at like why <laughs> does it, like like this is what happens like, like, I'm like this show. is what happens? Like I'm like I'm like everything. I'm like where are we at? Which actually I think this is where we're at. And if no, it's not, this is where we're going to go from. Is I'm going to ask you. Brian, four companies, which by the way, folks, that was just a funny moment like we put in there because truly the question that should be asked next is why is upcycling your content as a company even important? So I like to say the field of dreams marketing is broken. You know, we've all seen the movie with Kevin Costner, the field of dreams. And the tagline is if you build it, they will come. And the breaking news 2018 and beyond, if you build it, Nobody is coming. Nobody gives a crap about your new website, your new update, your new Facebook page, your new show. And so your job now as a brand, as a content creator, and I think it's in every business, and I will put this out there. I believe it with all of my heart. Every business today is in the business of trust. How do you build trust? How do you scale trust? How do you maintain trust? How do you save your trust when you lose your trust? And the thing about that is to build trust, you can't go disrupt conversations, disrupt media, disrupt people's lives. You have to go to where your audience is, add value, and then they'll come to you or they'll ask you what, I mean, it's amazing for me. I will, I will provide value on a platform so much so that I will get a message and someone says, Brian, what can I buy from you? Like, what, what are you selling? Because I provide so much value where they're at. 
And that's how you, because you know, we have so many options of getting content, of getting notifications. And so for brands that are out there right now, I, I hear this all the time. How do I cut through the noise? How do I stand out from my competitors? How do I compete with Amazon when Amazon's beating us? Here's how you do it. You share your why, you're authentic, and you build trust. When you build trust, people will go, they'll spend more money and they'll go out of your way to, to, to repair, to, to repay you for the trust that you have. But if you're just treating, and, I, and this is my, like, my, my most latest uh, soapbox, which is actually an episode on my podcast. If you treat your social media like a billboard where you throw it up there and you, and you just kind of blast it at people, guess what you get? You get billboard results which means mm. no emotion, no trust, no community, no conversation. And if you're okay with that, it's perfectly fine. But for me, where I find this is the biggest problem in the digital world is we throw stuff up to the internet like with like a billboard, right? We throw all our blogs, our pot, we throw it up like a billboard, but we expect amazing results that we would never be able to gain from a billboard. And so it's about that value add. And so I think for companies now, it, it's, it's, and it's weird coming from me, right? Because I'm a little bit of everywhere and I try lots of things. But I think less is more, but less is more in the sense of create that great content and spend more time engaging, building conversations, because then the content really does take factor. Like I would rather reach a thousand people that I'm building trust with than a hundred thousand people that consume my content and aren't even sure who the hell I am or what I'm about. So when we're digging into where comp- where you think companies are, where in summary that field of dreams, where what kind of steps do you think they can take now in order to get like get to this more of this upcycling your content process well so the question has to become i I think the best place to start is asking your employees like and here's like something that's kind of kind of scary right ask your employees maybe not ask because it's gonna you might get an answer you don't like but a majority of your employees probably aren't following you on social media and aren't subscribed to your blog or your content like this is the hard truth right like and if your employees aren't subscribed or consuming your content, you have a bigger problem than marketing or social media. Influence or marketing isn't going to fix that. So what I like to say is start at your employees and ask your employees like, hey, if you were if you were going to consume our content from us as a brand, how would you prefer to consume it? Would you want a weekly newsletter? Would you want a monthly newsletter? Would you want a podcast? Would you want it in video form? How would you like and this is it sounds so basic, but we don't ask our existing audience or our employees and so for so many brands, I feel like we create some really great content and nobody sees it and we blame the content. We blame content marketing, which is completely crap because I think content marketing is not even I think. I know content marketing is how we build trust, how we scale trust, how we bring our story to the masses. But for so many, we just put it up there. Nobody comes and sees it. And we kind of like we throw it away when it's like, OK, Maybe the content isn't the problem. Maybe it's the fact that we aren't part of enough conversations to kind of start that. So ask your audience, mm. ask your exact employees, hey, how would you consume it? And don't be afraid. Like, you know, this is where I said I lean into what works. Like I can tell you I try a bunch of stuff and a majority of stuff I, I try and I'm like, cool, I tried it not going to continue doing it right when i find something that works i lean into it with everything right i go all in i mean it's people that work with me are always like wow brian i didn't expect you to go that direction and i was like well you know what i started to see the trend i started to see what was working and i just went on it like to to george's point riding the, the unicorn and so for brands that are out there right now ask your employees ask your current you know audience how would you like to consume my content? Would you like a, a weekly Instagram TV show? Like you don't like for most people they're like oh IGTV like that's not something we want to play with, which is Instagram TV channel, which is kind of I'd say a hot mess at the beginning. It's not sure, no one's sure like what is over there and it's vertical video and it all kind. Of, but the interesting thing is 
you might have an audience that is craving that kind of content and you just don't know. And so asking your employees, asking your audience, and then trying different things out. Try, you know, when someone says like, what's the perfect length of video? I don't know your audience. I don't know how they consume. I don't know where they consume. So try different lengths, try different things. And then when something works, jump on it, ride it, see how long you can do it. And then last but not least, this is probably one of the most important things is manage expectations out of the gate. So many people get overwhelmed because, because here's the thing. Consistency is the number one way to build trust, right? Like if you're going to, if you're going to do a podcast and it's going to come out every week, you better put a podcast out every week. If you're going to miss a week, you better put it out there and say, Hey guys, we screwed up. This week's not coming out there, right? Or whatever that is. Because immediately if you tell people it's weekly or it's on this day and you don't deliver, that's, that drops their trust immediately. So for me, and my podcast, I told my audience on episode zero, you can go back and listen to episode zero. I said, here's my promise. You're going to get an episode every week unless I'm traveling for the week. But I don't know what day of the week it's going to come out because I travel. I speak too much. So I can't make a promise to this. But I will make a promise that you'll get an episode from me every week. right? And so like, that's one of the things I think when we're looking at content, you, it's not about doing something every week, every day, every month. It's about managing that expectation with your audience and then being consistent with your delivery. If you can do those two things and bring the content to where you're, where you're, uh, where you figured out where they're at, all of a sudden your content is going to strike gold and you're going to be like, Oh my God, this content marketing is amazing. But the problem is we have today is we're not asking people how they want to consume it and we're not willing to lean into it and manage expectations and be consistent. Oh, snap. Yeah, I see. I love this. I love this because here, here's the deal. And right now, yeah, I'm talking to you, Susie. I'm talking to you, Billy. You're sitting here listening to this and you're like, man, but I hate surveys. Well, that's because you historically have gotten surveys that were based on marketing, not based on being human and not asking you questions you actually give two craps about. So Billy and Susie, like you implement this for your potential customers, for your current customers, and like Brian said, for your employees, ask them because that's really when you can have like the, the ability to communicate in a way that they want. See, I hate historical like mentalities of like yep. taking baggage and not thinking that they want to do something. I, I have a whole rant that I do on like website pop-ups around that whole thing. Anyway, that's not why we're here. Well, well, on that, on that same point though, here's the two things that I will say. No one will ever say that you're helping too much or you care too much about them. If you, if you are doing your survey and trying to help them to where you're not providing email for email's sake. And if you're doing it because, hey, I care about what platform you are and I want to provide you the most value, everyone will fill that out. But if you're like, hey, I want to market and add to you and sell to you better, everyone's like, screw you. I don't want to be sold to. I don't want to be marketed to. So my, my answer, I love that you brought that up, Jordan. It's, and when you're asking these questions, it's show you care and damn it, if you're helping someone, no one, we need, everyone needs help today and no one will ever complain like, oh my God, you're helping me too much. You care too much about me does not exist in today's world. That's a wrap. 100%. Show's over. No, I'm <laughs> yep. just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're just going to shut it off. No, we're not. We're not. There's still so, more. So, so I love that because George, you and I have had conversations about these daily tutorials and like how many daily tutorials can we have all at once and you know, and all this stuff. And I haven't had anyone that says, hey, your tutorial are too much but we have had other people who are like oh really you're gonna post five times on social each day you know like across other clients and stuff like that so that's a really great point um yeah i have another slide that's gonna be in my presentation <laughs> next week so thanks there for that. you go uh, that's funny <laughs> i love my it pleasure. i love it so so i thought i knew where this next 
like answer or direction would go to the question. But you started to mention employees, and now I'm really confused. So I'm just going to ask the question and let you riff on it. Who has to be, who needs to be the captain of this ship when you start talking about driving this culture of uh, upcycling your content, Brian? So, you know, I think it takes someone that's willing to look at the total picture, right? Because one of the things I think we forget when I when I talk to brands, I'm sure you guys are the same way. They're like, well, Brian, we want to do employee advocacy. We want to empower employees. We just don't, we don't know what employees are doing what or how do we set this up? And here's the thing. Right now in your company, there are employees creating content. There are employees that are on social media. There are employees talking about your brand. Just because you don't know who they are doesn't mean they're not doing it, right? And so that's one of the things that I I like to say. And I can tell you, I've worked with a couple of really big brands and we have failed because we didn't have a change agent inside. So as much as I love consulting and I love being the, you know, with the agency world, there you need that change agent inside to, that can that can prove that value. But the other piece of this is you have to start with baby steps, right? I will use, you know, Bill Murray from What About Bob. Uh, I always love that movie, right? Like baby steps to the elevator, baby steps to the hallway. It's about, you know, hey, how do I start, you know, small and start working up? Uh, I do believe you know it's bigger than just marketing. Uh, oftentimes, someone in the marketing team is kind of ends up being the catalyst. But you would be amazed, and, and I'm, I'm I'm here sitting at the the Weather Channel right now, and the Weather Channel is a perfect example. The uh, the way that you do social media, the way that you build your content, can be far more impactful than just your marketing team. It can be it can impact your recruiting. It can impact your employee retention. It can provide your leaders as thought leaders, so that your thought the leaders are then you know are, are leveled up. I mean, one of the things that I've worked with, with with one of the brands that I work with is I do an internal podcast where I interview leaders of that company. Their only job or the only thing they're allowed to do is not mention their their company or their job. And what the reason we do that is because we give it to employees and say. Hey, these people that are in your superiors, they actually know what they're talking about. And unfortunately, for many of us down below, we don't see that. And so I'm trying to providing that transparency. So I, I think for me, you know, the thing that bothers me is if it starts in a marketing department, more often than not, it gets stuck in marketing KPIs and we get stuck with marketing only goals and marketing. So what I like to say is whoever is leading this charge, define what success looks like first. Don't define what your department success is. Say, hey, if I could create content and it could do these things, define that holistically of what success looks like. Like visualize it, right? You know, draw it on the wall. Say, hey, if this piece of content that we create does this, this is what success looks like. Then define the goals that you have underneath that. Because when you start with success, you then go to goals. You can then kind of go from the goals to different platforms, and it doesn't have to be as rigid. It doesn't have to be marketing-only driven or sales-only driven or recruiting-only driven. And so I think that to me, I think it's less about the person that is a catalyst and more about someone that is willing to define success at a holistic view, not at a department view. Mm, mm, mm. Like I, I'm just going to be completely transparent for a hot second as Remington is writing down the notes to use for the recap and might I say probably use for the business that is Impulse Creative <laughs> uh, and this is a great time to segue and say this show is brought to you by Impulse Creative where we do marketing audits, video audits, content audits where we love to help you get the maximum ROI out of whatever it is that you're trying to be successful at. That's enough self-promotion. Remington, I was actually just sitting here thinking like, you know, I love doing these shows because we're adding value to a community, but I'm also like, 
I'm sitting here listening to Brian and I'm like, I wonder how much I would have to pay for this if he was like a consultant <laughs> right now. Anyway, Remington, let's get back into the show. I know you're done with your notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's not just notes I'm doing. I'm also creating tasks as we're going. <laughs> so like, so Brian, if you saw this, we have to upcycle this. So like, you're, you're totally, you're totally connecting here. This is great. So, so awesome, awesome insights so far. So when we get into uh, the next section is navigational tools. So like wayfinders have charts and compasses. We want to make sure that our audience has the right tools to navigate themselves into you know moving forward with this concept so are there physical or digital tools that that are needed to upcycle content or and maybe a lot of it's around measurement and response so maybe you can kind of tie into how you start to identify the wins so you know it's funny with tools you know i'm definitely the tool geek i i have every uh software and tool that exists but i i have a new kind of opinion on tools and it's because of what i use uh, I believe in the keep it simple, stupid method, better known as KISS. Yep. Um, I, I, I'm now really structured where um, I will only use certain tools if I only need certain results, right? So like I love Canva, canva.com, you know, as well as Adobe Spark. Uh, Adobe Spark are two of my favorite tools for creating graphics, right? And the reason I like them more than like let's say Adobe Photoshop is they give me templates, but they don't give me too much information, right? One of the biggest concerns I have when I help people see the light of upcycling is that you get overwhelmed because if you spend too much time editing, too much time polishing it, too much that you lose the value, right? Like, like I put a timer and this is how, this is how much I dialed this in. I put a timer at eight minutes for every graphic I create when I uh, upcycle to content. It says eight minutes and I go and I create and I edit. And as soon as eight minutes is up, I, I don't just like pencils down or like, you know, utensils down, like chopped on TV. I, I finish it up, but eight, but eight minutes kind of gives me that piece. But on top of that, I, you know, video editing, I have every video editing software that exists, but I'm also a big believer in doing it in a, in a platform that kind of gets me the easiest results without too much rendering time, too many options. So I like Camtasia. Camtasia is the editing tool, the video editing. I think George is, George is also a Camtasia uh, fan. Um, I, I use Camtasia because Camtasia is great. And even iMovie, iMovie has plenty of, of features that allow you to edit enough and, and, and kind of get rid of some of the stuff without having too much, right? Like, I mean, I was in Final Cut Pro this morning and I felt like after 35 minutes that I created more work for me editing the video than I did when I got into Final Cut Pro. So I, I definitely recommend uh, Camtasia from, uh, from TechSmith. Um, another tool that's actually from that same company and I don't have an affiliate with them. I'm not, uh, I, I'm a big fan of theirs, but mainly because of their tools. Uh, another one is called Snagit. Uh, Snagit is from TechSmith. I believe in screenshotting things and, 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 and recording screens. So I'm a big fan uh, of Snagit as well. So Snagit and, and Camtasia. Um, for podcasting, I'm a, I, I love Libsyn. Uh, Libsyn for my podcast hosting is who I use for uh, my podcast. Uh, I think everyone has kind of a different podcast hosting love. Um, they give me some really good data. And then, you know, I do my video recording on Facebook Live. And um, when it comes to Facebook Live, it's a lot of it's manual what I do. But one of my favorite stats in live video is repeat viewership, repeat viewership. Mm. And, and what I mean by that is I want to monitor and say who keeps coming back week after week, month after month, and is consuming my content. Because if they're spending 30 minutes of their day every week to consuming my content, that's one heck of a warm lead, right? Like that lead is, you know, that is someone. And so what I do is I don't do personas per se, but if I will notice like, hey, I did these four videos and this same three people came back to all four videos, what are these common traits of that person? And then I try to build on that as well, right? And then the other piece of it is 
I try to keep it simple on how people can get in touch with me. And I'm not afraid to ask people for feedback. So uh, Twitter is my favorite platform for, um, for you know, community engagement. So I will tell people in my, in my shows, in my videos, hey, if you have feedback, if you have ideas for other shows, you know, send me a tweet. And when they send me a tweet and say, Brian, I loved your episode, it's very easy to say thank you. But what I do is I say, what about the episode that you like the most? What was your least favorite episode of all the episodes I listened to? Where are you listening to my show at? Because they're already telling you they're a fan, which means they're going to answer your questions. And when you ask those more detailed questions, it truly allows you to provide the most value. If you just say thank you, that's just – I mean I'm so mad at social media. I mean social media, we forgot about the word social. Like when someone comments <laughs> – like I mean for heaven's sake, if they're commenting, they're telling you that they, that they valued what you posted. So now you need to value their comments and, and start a conversation, right? Like how do we forget how to have conversations in a world that is full of conversations? We have, and, and, and I'm guilty of it uh, just as much as the next person. So I like using you know, Twitter for that. Uh, I'm also a big believer in LinkedIn video. Um, I will post my videos on LinkedIn, uh, and then LinkedIn gives you some cool data. I mean, they, they tell me what's the position of the people that are watching, what the yeah. favorite company of those that watch. I can tell you a video I did two weeks ago, uh, 181 employees of Adobe watched my video. So what did I do? I went to the Adobe, Adobe blog. I read what they're blogging about. I followed a couple of the people that work for Adobe, figured out what they cared about. And guess what my next episode was about? Artificial intelligence impact on digital marketing. You know why? <laughs> Adobe people watched my video and Adobe people care about artificial intelligence. I leaned into what works. It's not rocket scientists, right? Like it's, it's literally, hey, this is who's watching my content. This is who's finding its value. Let's continue to add value to them. And go from there. And so that's that's kind of the tools. I'm. You would think that I was going to give you like 50 tools because I'm a big tool guy. I, mean, I wrote a blog post uh, is four years ago now, and it was 101 tools to use to build your personal brand. And everyone <laughs> like freaked out. But like these are my tools because like I love Buzz Sumo and I'm a big SEM Rush fan. But these are all tools that you know these are great tools. But sometimes we get overwhelmed on the data and the analytics and the information. Yep. Where I'm like, you know what? And, you know, create the great content, edit it, get it out to your audience figure out what they care about and then keep doing it. Right. Like that's the, that's my, my press the damn button, my, my, which is my you know tagline, my, which will be my first book. Press the damn button. Isn't just really pressing the damn button on the video or one piece of content. It's like, just continue to, to always, I always say test, deliver, tweak, test again, deliver, tweak, test again. Right. Like, I, I'm always tweaking. I, I don't, I'm not seeking perfection, but I think that's one of those weird spaces that we get. But those are the tools that, that I, I'm definitely a huge fan of. So here's why I love that, though, because... So that's a podcast by itself. It, it is. So it, <laughs> it really is. It's a podcast by itself. But here, here's what I'll say. Uh, a couple things. A couple things, and then we'll get back in the show. Um, because of what you just said, isn't it amazing the amount of growth that you've had in the last four years? Because you realize that it doesn't matter the tools that you leverage unless you are the major tool that you are leveraging, your mind, your body, the way that you navigate the space and the strategy that you have as a human being to create these things, that is absolutely amazing to me. Then, once you figure that part out, sure, go use the 100 and some tools to do the rest of what you're trying to do. But, viewers, listeners, I need a dang rewind button, like a graphic <laughs> or something, because I want to just, like the easy button, I want to punch the rewind button, give you a little symbol, because again, that's the second section that I would say is where you hit that 30 seconds back a couple times and re-listen to that, because the whole story 
about understanding when a fan is a fan that you have the ability to ask the questions that truly matter. And when you have the answers to the questions that truly matter, being able to create content that goes to the third, to the fifth, to the tenth level of what they actually will enjoy and how they will consume it is freaking priceless. That, folks, is upcycling, right? So without question, with that said, we're going to head into the Bermuda Triangle. It's a scary place. Remington actually historically lived there. But the it question did. for you, the question for you, Brian, is this. Where do people get lost when they think about or try to attempt this thing that is obviously great, amazing, upcycled content for their company? Well, first thing, they expect short-term wins with, without putting any long-term uh, effort or you know value into it. It's amazing there that it we is. spend we spend a year building a website. We spend a year launching an email newsletter, and we spend one week launching a video series. Video doesn't work, and we throw it out the door. And I'm like, hold on a second, you don't you can't. And and in today's day and age, we have so many options to consume content. It takes a while to get it out there. And then the second piece that people really fail at is consistency. Consistency is the hardest damn thing out there, and it's the easiest thing for us to do. You know, and I, you know, I'm a big believer in batch recording things. For those that don't really understand what that means, it just simply means you're recording multiple things at once. And, and for example, um, uh, our mutual friend Amy Landino and I are launching a brand new podcast, uh, November 5th. We haven't even announced the title of it yet, but I spent, um, last week and I flew up to Columbus on a Saturday morning. Uh, I spent all day Saturday, all day Sunday, part of the day Monday. We recorded 11 episodes of our podcast over two days. We have created enough content for the next three months for our show. And so anyone tells me, I don't have time to create content or I don't know how to be consistent. Here's how you be consistent. You take advantage of the time that you do have, you batch record it, you schedule things out. We even did, I mean, when we spent those two days together, we did the social video promos for each episode. We did the tiling for each episode. We did, we under, we mapped out our, our plan towards success in each episode. And we did all of that over the weekend. And now, you, I mean, people are going to tell me, Brian, why did you launch another podcast? Are you crazy? You have so much stuff going on. I'm like, I know I'm so crazy. But really what I did was I spent three days locked in a, in a room with Amy and we had some gold freaking content. And so I would say those are the two things that people forget is that, you know, we, we don't invest enough time. I mean, re- relationships take time. Trust takes even, even more time. And it takes a lot of time to cut through the noise. And the second part is, Man, I tell you what, it's consistency, consistency, consistency. You have to be consistent with your delivery. I mean, I use Amy Landino as a great example. I mean, Amy Landino has had her YouTube channel for 10 years. For four years in a row, she did two pieces of video every single week, and her subscriptions were barely moving up, but she was building that that groundswell. In the last year and a half, she's moved up 150,000 subscribers in the last year and a half. And people are like, oh my God, you're an overnight success. I'm like, well, actually, I followed Amy in 2007 whenever I was like her first 500 subscribers, but she built such a consistent delivery. Like I trust her to deliver at such a high level. And for brands that are out there, consistency. I mean, it's so amazing. It's not hard, but it's something we forget. We mail in. Oh, we just won't do an episode this week. Oh, we won't post it this week. Nobody will know. Well, guess what? The minute you want to build trust, people look at that and say, I don't trust them to do the, I don't trust what they're going to tell me on that piece of content because they can't even deliver on what they tell me how often they're going to deliver it. Yeah, consistency. There's a theme here. There's a theme. <laughs> cool. So, so when we, when we start going into it, so who is the pirate to watch out for when we're thinking about upcycling content? Oh, so this is an interesting one. Um, you know, I'm, 
I'm going to go a different, couple different ways on this. Um, you know, I, the word I like to use is access. People today crave access to who we are, what the brands are. And so, you know, I don't like to use Apple when I'm, as an example when I'm talking technology. And I don't like to use Gary Vaynerchuk as an example when I'm creating con- talking content. But Gary does this pretty much better than anyone else when it comes to, you know, he takes his keynotes and he turns them into podcasts, right? He takes his videos when he's doing a mentorship and he turns it. But Gary does it at a level, in my opinion, sometimes is overwhelming and too much, right? Like, but he also knows that his audience he can, he can pretty much blast their feed and he has such a loyal audience. So my, what I tell people is understand why Gary does certain things, but also realize that Gary's been doing this for seven years as well, this much content, right? When you get to seven years, you can do things like Gary at that level. But I'm going to, I'm going to kind of flip it on its head. I'm going to say the walking dead is a great example of the TV show, The Walking Dead, because what they do, if you follow them on social media and on their channels, and I know it's kind of weird if you're looking at a brand and you're like, why would I follow The Walking Dead? Well, what they do really well is they're really good at creating customized content on Twitter, customized video on their YouTube channel. They did a Facebook Live where they had the, the, the actual stars of their shows asking, answering questions on their Facebook Live. And all of a sudden I was like, dude, I'm, like, I was counting down to that show when I have 3,000 shows to watch. And so if you're a brand out there right now, think about this. How can I give my community access to something that they're ex- actually excited about what I'm going to release and I think the example of that is these, that there are another TV show that does it really well, Shameless, Shameless on Netflix. They do really well. They do takeovers of their accounts. Uh, if you're looking for a brand, uh, We Are Cisco. We Are Cisco is one of my favorites that's out there. They let their employees take over their Instagram accounts. When they create a video, they do a great job of promoting the video on different channels, but also sending their audience to a certain channel. Uh, and then last but not least, I'm going to give you a, a really out-of-the-box um, one, the Weston Grand Cayman Islands. Weston Grand Cayman Islands. I know you guys probably didn't expect that as an example. Weston Grand Cayman Islands does a video blog from their hotel every single week. And I'm talking about this video blog has dirty towels in the background. It has different aspects to it. But guess what? You get to see the, the resort like you would when you arrive. Their numbers, I mean, he, he actually said that, that he has generated in 20 months with his video blog $600,000 of room revenue directly linked to his video blog and the way that he creates it. his name is Mark Mark Babin uh, is the is the gentleman's name who actually does it. But yeah, check out Weston Grand Cayman Islands. It's 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 freaking some great content. There's lots of really good episodes that we are putting out here. This one especially has a lot of notes, which is a perfect opportunity for us to talk about our newsletter. So we take a lot of these deeper dives into some of these some of this content that we review in these podcast episodes. And each week we're going to send you the links to the tools that are discussed. We're going to talk to you about the individual resources that you can use in order to crush your company's success. So head on over to any one of our podcast pages um, and click the link to subscribe. And that means it's my turn, which means (laughs) it's time for Captain Killing It, where we talk about somebody who's doing something absolutely amazing on the socials or, well, not so much. So, Brian, when you think about this upcycling, and I know you just listed off a bunch of people that yeah, like, no, are doing awesome, <laughs> but like, can you can you pull one more? Can you extract one more? Or he may go negative. We just never know. But I don't think Brian is really a negative type guy. Can you extract one more? person who you think is absolutely killing it on social with this concept or just in general so i'm going to give you andrew davis uh he goes by drew davis um he does a weekly loyalty loop video on his youtube channel 
He is, in my opinion, one of the very, actually, let's not even say it. In my opinion, at this moment, he is the very best marketing speaker in the industry. I, I don't even, uh, he opened up content marketing world uh, this year. He is in my class, in my opinion, world-class. This is a world-class speaker that has built a team, but he does an amazing job with creating video content. He also is really good on social. I, I, I was nudging him to be on Instagram stories more. Now he's doing such good stuff on Instagram stories. I'm nudging him to get off of there because he's making me look bad. Um, but yeah, uh, Drew, Drew Davis is the one that I would say um, there's lots of us that can say we're really busy. There's also a lot of people that look like they're busy um, that are doing this, but Drew Davis is killing it. And he's busy and he's still finding time to do a weekly video and provide value on all the channels. So, yeah, check out uh, Andrew Davis. He is world class. So as we start to finish this up. So, Brian, thanks so much for your time today. This has been Dynamite. Um, Why don't you take a second and tell people where they can connect with you as they navigate these seas about upcycling content? So we had a theme here. Consistency is key. So it's consistency on your branding and finding you as well. So I am iSocialFans, that's the letter I, socialfans, F-A-N-Z with a Z or a Z at the end. I am that on every single channel. My website is iSocialFans. Uh, my email is brian at iSocialFans.com. Everything is iSocialFans. You have to find, you have to cut through the noise, you have to be consistent on your messaging and your branding. So I try to bleed and live that as well. Uh, and if you want to check out uh, my podcast, FOMO Fans, uh, of course, I went with the branding again there, uh, FOMO, which stands for the fear of missing out. Uh, FOMO Fans is available on all of your podcasting apps. It's a weekly show where I don't interview anybody. It's just me ranting uh, and giving my thoughts on uh, curing your digital fear of missing out. But guys, this was a, a ton of fun. I was having so much fun and my battery life on my MacBook was going down. And I was like, please slow down. So I had like the, the things dimmed down and it worked out so perfectly. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm a big fan of both of you guys. I, I really am lucky to call you guys friends. And uh, this was a lot of fun. I am happy to be on the show and uh, I'll come back anytime to talk about anything you want. Awesome. Sounds great. We might we might hold you to that. Hey, Wayfinders, I hope you enjoy the show. There's probably four or five rewind moments in there. I only listed out two or three. But, hey, if you're listening to this on iTunes, make sure you go over, leave us a raving review, five stars and some nice words. We'd love to hear it. We'd love to know that you're part of the community. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the bells, the likes, the subscribes. So, again, we know where you're part of the community. But let us know what topics you want us to cover. This one, upcycling your content, was amazing we want to create more amazing content for you which by the way yes we are going to upcycle this uh episode i can already smell that coming down in my asana task manager anyway make sure that you are able to leave the dock of mediocrity and set sail into the sunset of your company's success